Assalamualaikum, welcome to the Inclusive Mosque podcast. The recording you're about to hear was the khutbah delivered at the Inclusive Jummah on the 12th of August. The Khatib talks about um, oppression and different ways that we can use the media to uplift our siblings in this world and to oppress them. The next Jummah is going to be on the 26th of August, also at Quaker's Meeting House. It'll start at 1pm and we hope to see you there. Okay, so everybody, I'm going to apologise first of all because I'm going to need to be reading off my phone. I just didn't get time to print out my notes uh, before I came here. But uh, let's start, inshallah. So, I would be Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I seek refuge in Allah from the evils of the Shaitan, and I begin in the name of Allah, the most kind, the most merciful. So I wanted to use this time uh, to kind of reflect on a few things that have been happening in the news this week and also to talk to you about a hadith that I read that I felt really um, has resonance for us throughout uh, any kind of element of our existence. And it's really relevant, I feel, when we are dealing with things like um, the media and news coverage of various events. So I'm going to read that hadith to you first. I'll go into a little commentary and I do want to make a dua as well. Um, so the hadith is narrated by Abdullah ibn Umar, and it's related that the Prophet said, and I've changed some of the terms in this hadith so that they are more gender neutral, but the Prophet would say brother, but I've said sibling. So Prophet Muhammad said, a believer is a sibling of another believer, so they should not oppress each other, nor should they hand each other to an oppressor. Whoever fulfilled the needs of their sibling, Allah will fulfill their needs. Whoever brought his sibling out of discomfort, Allah will bring them out of discomfort on the day of judgment. And whoever protected a believer, Allah will protect him on the day of resurrection. And the reason I was thinking about this is because there's so much in the news at the moment about, as there always is, about bombings. And this week, you know, there's been massive tragedy in Pakistan. I think over 70 people have been killed. There was something in the news yesterday about bombings in Thailand. And I wanted to remind us, or like all of us and myself, that there is continued violence everywhere in places like the Central African Republic, in Syria, of course, in Palestine, uh, in Nigeria. There are people suffering dispossession in Brazil because of the Olympics. There are people um, experiencing the effects of violent crime in Mexico. And, you know, the whole world feels like it's hurting right now. And I think it's part of our, it should be part of our consciousness or our reflection to, you know, keep these things in mind in a way that reminds us to be grateful for what we have, to, to fight against the oppression that Salah Salam is um, addressing in this hadith. So if it's okay with you, I wanted to do just a quick dua um, for those people who've been killed and the families that are suffering. And you can join in if you like, or you don't have to. Um, but I'm going to be reading it. Okay. Oh Allah, make wide the graves of those who have lost their lives. Make their resting place spacious and full of light. Amen. Bring comfort at ease to their families and remind us always of our duty to those suffering at home and abroad. Amen. Amen. Um, so a little bit more on this hadith. So the first line is, a believer is a sibling of another believer, so they should not oppress each other, nor should they hand each other to an oppressor. And I think there's a very obvious kind of uh, overt oppression, which we see in police brutality, which we see when people in authority are not held to account, um, 
when we see very, very vocal, very visual examples of Islamophobia. But there's also this kind of insidious oppression that happens that we aren't always aware of, that we aren't always um, clear about, that is subtle, that is consistent. And we see that in media coverage of these bombings. We see that in media coverage of a lot of things. We see that in um, you know, casual homophobia, casual racism, in casual ableism. And it's, it's there. And Prophet is reminding us of this, especially when he says, uh, we should not hand our brothers, our siblings, to an oppressor. And I thought about this a lot when I was um, looking at coverage of the Olympics, because I thought, you know, the Olympics is really amazing right now. It, it feels like um, a very awe-inspiring depiction of the magnificent majesty of the human body. And we're told, you know, Allah SWT tells us that humans are the greatest animals to roam this earth. We are the finest, we're the most majestic, we are the most intelligent. So we have so much privilege that comes with all of those qualities and so much power and so much responsibility. And that's why I love watching all of these athletic games at the moment and any kind of international sports competition because it feels like, you know, the best of the best are up there and they're disciplined and it's, it's awe-inspiring. At the same time, there's commentary coming out of the Olympics about numerous things, black athletes, um, athletes who have uh, been accused of various things, there's sexism, um, and there's, there was a picture recently that was sort of going viral, I don't know if you saw it, called the well, so-called culture clash image of the Egyptian beach volleyball team playing the German beach volleyball team. And so the Egyptian athletes, one of them was wearing hijab and her skin was mostly covered up, um, and the German athlete was wearing uh, a bikini. And they were competing at this amazing level. They'd both shown like dedication, discipline, strength, skill, agility, uh, but it was still their clothes that were being commented on their attire. And the general discourse around it was about, you know, the Egyptian person being, the Egyptian athlete being oppressed by her culture, by Islam, um, and her German counterpart being liberated and free because she was able to uh, show more skin. And I, don't, I think the commentary on this sort of stuff is gathering towards a more um, nuanced understanding of oppression and liberation, and that the two are not black and white, and that you can't tell whether someone is oppressed or liberated by their attire, because that when we're talking about oppression, we're talking about coercion. So if you can find out, is a person being coerced into something, whether it is um, in an insidious way or in an obvious way, then yes, you can identify that as oppression. But to look at someone's attire and say this person is oppressed, it's, it's false, it doesn't mean anything. You need to engage with that person and discuss the myriad of events that may have resulted in them wearing whatever it is they choose to wear if they have that choice. And in this case, the Egyptian athlete, because her colleague, her teammate, um, wasn't wearing hijab, it, it seemed like she had, she had made a choice to wear it. No one was forcing her, no one was forcing the whole Egyptian team to wear it, but uh, she chose to, and that was really nice. And there was an article in BBC um, magazine that was sort of admitting this and saying, you know, it, like, there are two women who are wearing what they want and competing at an international level, and isn't that wonderful? And this article just kept being sent to me by various different people um, with, like, a real fist pump going, the BBC finally get it, you know? They're not looking at our attire and saying, this person's oppressed. They're saying, where there's coercion, there's oppression. And... I thought, that's really, really great. You know, this article is getting so much attention and it's being shared. And I also thought, you know, Muslim women have been saying this for a long time. 
that you know, it's, it is really great that the BBC are getting onto this, but equally these, these marginalised voices have been saying this, and we've been ignoring them, whether it's because we choose to choose BBC articles to share over things like muslimgirl.com or one of my kind magazine. These content exists, speakers exist, women exist, and they do with their brown faces and their hijabs, like the Egyptian athlete. They do say everything that the BBC is saying, but we privilege the BBC over them, and we marginalise their voices and we erase their voices. And I felt like, are we oppressors here when we do this, when we don't, when we don't lift up the voices of the people who deserve to be heard about their own existence, you know? Muslim women are talking about their own depiction, and we are not bothering to really listen to them until the BBC says exactly the same thing, and then we get really excited about it. And I thought, gosh, is this us handing over our siblings to an oppressor? If we wait for the oppressor to say, oh, by the way, it's okay, I'm cool with it now. Is this in some way kind of a muddy, a muddy way of us to exist? And I don't think it's black and white. I don't think it's clear. I don't think I have an answer for it. But I think it's definitely a point of reflection about the way we share media, who we are giving our attention to, and who we might be erasing in the process. And I'm not suggesting you know, a boycott or anything, but that maybe we try and address the balance and we seek out proactively the voices of the people who are not going to be handed to us on the plate because the BBC isn't going to seek out that Egyptian athlete and say, are you oppressed? They're going to say, what do we think about your oppression and what are we going to publish about it? And it feels like, you know, we shouldn't be contributing to that. So when I read this hoodie, it reminded me of that, that we are all family to each other and if we're handing over our siblings to their oppressor, that's not okay. And then this, this hadith gets really, really positive and really lovely. It says, whoever fulfilled the needs of their sibling, Allah will fulfill their needs. And I thought, this is a promise from Allah to us that, you know, if we are aware of each other's needs, if we are aware of our family and what they need, and we try and fulfill that for them, she's going to do the same for us. And that felt very um, comforting to know. But the task is still a hard one. To really understand what your siblings need, that's tough especially if we're so used to waiting for the BBC to tell us what they need and not listening to them when they tell us what they need. So I thought that was another reminder to kind of seek out these voices um, who are telling us, we need this, we need this kind of liberation, we need this kind of freedom, this kind of equality. And we see it a lot with the Black Lives Matter movement, we see it a lot with um, people trying to draw attention to Rohingya in Burma. Uh, they're saying, you know, we have this need, it needs fulfilling. Who can help us? And they're, they're telling us this. So I feel like this hadith is a nice reminder that we can pay attention to that and we can be rewarded with so much because Allah will fulfill our needs, whatever they are. Um, and I thought that felt, felt very, very reassuring. And then it goes on and it says, um, whoever brought their sibling out of a discomfort Allah will bring them out of a discomfort on the day of resurrection, on the day when no one is going to be comforted, when it's going to be the hardest day, the most unimaginable day, this thing that happens that you know, destroys everything and takes everything we know to another level that we can't fully comprehend. Allah promises us, you know, if you are focused on alleviating the discomfort of your siblings, I will alleviate your discomfort on this day, on this of the hardest days. I will do that for you. And that's felt like another reminder to be aware of who is comforted in this room and who is not. Who might feel marginalised and who might not. And also a reminder to us, I thought, um, for all the times that I might have made somebody feel uncomfortable, 
the kids I didn't talk to them, or I um, was busy with something else, or they told me about something and I ignored it. Is that my way of making someone else feel discomforted or oppressed? And shouldn't I be lessening that? And I thought that that's a useful reminder for us to kind of examine our place in the world. So while I'm a consumer of the Olympics going, it's amazing, look at the majesty that Allah has created, I'm also ignoring the fact that, um, you know, hundreds of families will have been displaced to make room for those massive, epic stadiums. And where are they living now? And what money were they given to move house? And will they ever be able to return to where they raised their children? So that kind of develop, like, as a consumer, in some ways I can also be an oppressor. And my, you know, my own existence in this world also is a reminder to me of the different ways that I am oppressed, but I can also be an oppressor. So, you know, talking to friends of mine who work in black liberation movements, it's very, very clear that as a South Asian person, I benefit from anti-blackness. When people talk about um, black people as criminals or black women as angry, um, my minority, the Indian minority, is <coughs> far more academic and <laughs> well-behaved and we're these other cliches, only because it's easy to pit these minorities against each other. So that is a form of my existence and benefiting off the degradation of someone else. And I think we, you know, whatever sphere we live in, whether we are white or male or able-bodied or South Asian, it, you know, we, we will have elements of our existence that oppress other people, and it's very important to be mindful of that. Um, because when we are, we can then focus on alleviating that comfort, fulfilling their needs, you know, and Allah promises us so much more when we do that. And then the final bit, which I, again is really lovely, is, um, and whoever protected a believer, Allah will protect them on the day of resurrection. And you know, when we are mindful of the needs of our siblings and the causes that they're fighting for and the attempts they're making to fulfill their own needs and we lift their voices up, we're protecting them in our consciousness and we're protecting them and their place in history. We're protecting them from erasure. So. I felt like this hadith was a big reminder that there are so many things we can do and it will take some effort, you know. Men especially, you're not going to be the target audience of muslimgirl.com. They want to target Muslim women, that's their readership. But it's not, it doesn't take a lot for you to subscribe to their newsletter or check out their website or check out their Facebook and say, what are Muslim women actually saying about their own existence and can I share this? Is this relevant to me and um, my family and my, you know, and my community? And you'll find that it really is, because if you have any interaction with Muslim women, if you came here today, then whatever we say about ourselves is of relevance to you. And how wonderful it would be for you to share that, the, the story of Muslim women in their own words, rather than the words of some giant media outlet. And I'm not entirely bashing giant media outlets, because I know there's good and bad in everything. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, they can be really useful for publicity and drawing together communities and you know, fundraising and whatnot. So, I know it's not black and white, but I just feel like there's, there's, there should be a shift now at this stage where everything is so easy on the internet to go out and find the voices that are being erased and lift them up. Um, and, it, and, you know, similar things go for um, blogs about disability, podcasts about disability. You find so many people who are disabled by society talking about their own existence on their own terms, you know, creating their own safe spaces to do this. It doesn't take a lot to, to Google disability blogs or Google disability podcasts and find that stuff and share that stuff. 
If you're inclined to share anything by The Guardian or the BBC or The Telegraph about disability, then it doesn't take a lot for us to go and find somebody who is disabled and say, where are your stories? I will, I will also share them. I will also give you the same attention and care that I give to these massive outlets who can uplift you but can also oppress you. So I've kind of come to the end of my khutbah now, and I thought I would just end with this du'a. Um, and a reminder that if I have said anything wrong, that's from me. And if I've said anything good, that's from Allah. Okay, bismillah. Oh Allah, forgive the believing people. Forgive those who are dead and those who are alive. You are indeed the one who listens and accepts all supplications. Amen.